Welcome to Business Ninjas, brought to you by Write For Me, where you'll hear from business leaders who are out there growing their business and slaying it every day. Learn from the masters. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back for another episode of Business Ninjas. I'm here today with Hunter Austin. He's the co-founder and managing partner at Kelly Austin. Hunter, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kelsey. Looking forward to it. Yeah, excited to have you. So, Hunter, tell me a little bit about yourself. So, oh, a little bit about myself. Um, <laughs> let's. Uh, I'll I'll start with um, kind of career path. How I how I ended up here in into what I do now, which is technology consulting. But it starts starts way back. I've been I've had kind of the entrepreneurial spirit for a long time. Back when I was. 15, 16 in high school, e-commerce websites had just started coming out. And so I was I was ordering clothes and hats from China. I would drive to the post office because everything had to be shipped there from China and had to be like, you know, I had to go knock on this special door and hope someone was in there to give me my package because mm -hmm. it couldn't just be shipped to the house. And I'd go and get it and I'd put it on eBay and then I created an e-commerce store and um, so I was, I was doing that at the age of age of like 15 or 16. And ever since I've kind of always had that, that drive where I, I wanted to be able to kind of do my own thing and, and help other companies and help other um, people build their businesses as well, which is how I've, I've gotten here today. Um, so that's, that's me in a, uh, in kind of history and how I kind of wound up here, but, uh, live in, live in Dallas, Fort Worth. I've got uh, a wife and two, two young kids under the age of three. Oh, oh, two under three. Good for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bus busy time in the Austin. Houses. Yeah, yeah. So tell me, it's a great journey to kind of get to, to get to Kelly Austin. So tell me, tell me more about Kelly Austin. Yeah, absolutely. So we are a Salesforce consulting agency. So uh, it's, it's, I was at a wedding not too long ago and someone asked me what I did and I said consulting. And they're like, oh, so you don't really do anything, but, but get paid for it because it's like the stigma in consulting, right? Where you're, you're there and you end up with a PowerPoint, right? We're, we're a little different. So we, we actually do have to uh, ha show an end product uh, to get paid. What <laughs> happens is the company will buy Salesforce licenses directly from Salesforce, but then everyone starts with the same version of Salesforce. So whether you sell airplanes or tile flooring, whatever it is, everyone starts with an out of the box version for the most part. So then you either have to have someone in house that knows how to configure the system for your business, or you hire us. So Salesforce typically brings in a partner like us as a third party, about 85 to 90% of the deals. Uh, they don't really do much in-house at all, except for their really, really big clients. So we would get brought in, we know all of these various industries, how Salesforce can be customized to help those industries specifically. Um, so we come in, we help build it out, train people. So that way they're getting uh, the return on their investment, whether they're using Salesforce to manage sales or customer service mm -hmm. or marketing automation, right? There's a large suite of products. So we kind of play in all of those. Interesting. Talk to me a little bit about the Salesforce services that Kelly Austin, you know, is able to dive into. So oh, we do, we've got kind of two different um, paths, right? Yeah. So we've got regular projects. So full implementations where there's milestones and timelines, and we know exactly, you know, kind of how long it's going to take and exactly what we're going to do, right? So that's more of our formal project where we work through a formal project process. And then we have what we call Salesforce excellence, but it's a it's our managed services offering. So this could be someone who already has Salesforce, 
but they don't really have anyone on staff that's an expert or they do have someone on staff, like an in-house admin, but they're busy just keeping the lights on, right? Or they have maybe a limited skill set. So that's more of like our ongoing support, right? Where you use us kind of as your fractional Salesforce expert, so to speak. Um, so you get a dedicated consultant and then that consultant has the power of our entire team behind them as well, opposed to just having a single admin in-house where you're limited to whatever their skills and knowledge are um, if you hire someone internally. So there's some real benefits to there. It's a really popular side of our um, firm. We're about 50-50 in terms of revenue for the, the managed services side and the formal project side. Nice, nice. Are there different trends that you see in, you know, industries or different verticals that that um, that Kelly Austin works with? Yeah. So it, when, when you get to a certain size as a Salesforce consultant partner, Salesforce itself encourages you to verticalize. Right. So when you're smaller, you kind of deal with every industry. And myself and my co-founder, Waylon, we've been doing this for, for a decade plus. So we've worked in almost every industry at this point. There's very few, few and far between. We haven't. But Salesforce wants you to verticalize that way when they're bringing you in to a certain size of client, you can speak towards to the industry knowledge opposed to just the product knowledge, right? So instead of just saying, oh, Salesforce can do this, Salesforce can do that, you can say, we have clients that are also in software and hardware, and this is what we've done with them, and it works great for them. We should do that with you too, and the 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 vehicle that gets you there happens to be a Salesforce product, right? Like that becomes ancillary at that point. Mm -hmm. um, so there's absolutely trends. We work hand in hand with Salesforce to identify some of those trends as well and all the money that they put into R&D. Uh, so one of the vertical, verticals that we specialize in is high tech, which is software, mm -hmm. software and hardware, um, and some tech technology services as well. So the hot trends right now are things like preventing churn, um, having your hand tied around subscription billing, product-led growth, uh, as you know, we're going through what we're going through in the tech industry right now, where there's layoffs and that type of thing. There's a lot of efficiency and optimization conversations, right? How do I get more or at least as much out of less people? And so the goal is not to have to go to to hire more people right now because of this new focus on uh, really focusing on the bottom line instead mm -hmm. of just this hyper growth mode. Yeah, interesting. So kind of talking, you said Waylon, you know, was your other co-founder. Talk to me a little bit about over the years, how you've been able to scale successfully and go from, you know, having a bunch of different, you know, industries, it sounds like, to being more verticalized. So we, we, we were really lucky um, in the kind of the hand that we got dealt by God. So Waylon and I are brothers-in-law, all right? So we've known each other for about 15 years. And, you know, most brothers-in-laws get, get along really well. You see each other occasionally, whatever it may be, and it's fine, right? But it's rare that you meet someone. And, and I'm, I was in high school when I, when I met Waylon. Um, it's rare that you end up in the situation where both of you have complementary skill sets, right? So the two of us worked at two other Salesforce consulting firms before we started Kelly Austin. And um, it just happens to be that Waylon's extremely strong on the technical side of the Salesforce implementation, right? Understanding business, understanding how Salesforce can be built to handle that business, the whole implementation process. Mm -hmm. And my skill set is in go to market, building relationships from a sales perspective, marketing perspective, those types of things. So 
when we helped grow those other two firms, we just naturally kind of pushed each other because one person handles one side of the house and is getting deals in the door and the other one is making sure that those projects are successful. And then they kind of feed each other, right? The more, mm -hmm. the more projects you have that are successful, the more people want to work with you. Mm -hmm. And then the more people that are want to work with you, the more experience you get because you're, you're dealing with newer things. So what you see in a lot, there's over 2000 Salesforce partners, all right? And, in, and even if you take Salesforce out of it, just uh, implementation partners for whatever software, what you typically see is that it's typically founded by either just technical experts, right? That don't have the go-to-market and the sales uh, skill set, or you see it founded by previous salespeople at that worked at those software companies, right? Someone was a salesperson at Salesforce. They've got all these connections, so then they've got to go figure out someone to handle the house to actually do a successful mm -hmm. project implementation, right? Whether you're subcontracting that or whatever. We are we were one of the rare teams that had a complementary skill sets. So now we've just pushed each other, right? I want sales to be successful and I want to keep building relationships. And Waylon wants to keep, you know, doing cool projects and working on new and fun things. So we've just kind of naturally pushed ourselves um, to this level. We weren't expecting to grow quite as fast as we have, but uh, we became the fastest Salesforce partner to ever reach gold status with Salesforce. And out of about 2000 um, companies. So that was, uh, that was a big milestone for us. It's not certainly not the end all be all like, you know, growth isn't uh, the only metric that we focus on, but it was, it was cool, cool nonetheless to see yeah. the success that we've had parlay itself. Yeah. Were there any growing pains or anything that, you know, were, were realizations kind of in the, in the scaling process for you? Cause it sounds like you were able to scale quickly and successfully. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the first time you start hiring employees that are pure overhead, it is really difficult for a small business because you've got all these margins in your mind, right? And you've seen how things kind of work and you're kind of comfortable in this percentage for to, to take care of things and to put money back in the business and to pay yourself, et cetera. And then you get to this certain level where you have to start hiring employees that don't contribute to that top line revenue at all, right? All they do is affect the bottom line and it slashes your margin faster than you ever think about, right? Like, you know, those things are coming, but until you, until you start seeing those salaries really hit the bottom line in, in your small company, you don't realize how many percentage points you're affecting with each one, but it's the nature of the business, right? Like those people are vital to our business. We have to have them to be able to continue being successful and continuing to grow. Mm -hmm. But it is um, until you do it the first time and you realize what, what it does, it is a hard pill to swallow. There's some, there's some road bumps there to, to just strategize around from a yeah. pure cash flow perspective. Yeah. When did you know that you were on to something with Kelly Austin and you really saw like kind of that pivotal success? Was there a point for you for that? That's a, that's a really good question. Um, so the way that we sell typically is we we can go do outbound and use Google ads and LinkedIn ads and all that thing, right? If you've got Salesforce and you need help, or if you want to buy Salesforce and you need help, come come to Kelly Austin. But we're competing with a lot of eyeballs at that point, right? Uh, or competing with a lot of people for those eyeballs. So what we typically do is we typically sell through Salesforce. So we build our relationships with their salespeople so that they'll bring us into the deals, right? And and we, we've done this at the other two firms as well, but 
I had some connections and again, I've been doing this for a long time. So I had some connections and then what happened, another thing that happened is when we first started Kelly Austin, one, a guy that I knew from high school ended up just getting a job at Salesforce as a salesperson. So, you know, I was messaging, <laughs> Hey, you know, new, new firm, like bring me into some deals, man. Like, you know, give me a chance here. So he, and he did, and he is huge, um, huge reason for us, our kind of jumping point, but as soon as you, so he was on a certain team, okay, not to get too far in the weeds here, but there's this, there's sales teams in Salesforce, right? And they have a manager in their team. So we worked with that team and that all went well. We started working with other people on his team. They'd bring us in. But as soon as someone from a different team that you've never spoken with emails you and is like, hey, I heard Kelly Austin does great work. I want to bring you into my clients. That's when you're kind of like, okay, it's, it's kind of like, when you're starting a fire and yeah. you can see the fire spread to another log that wasn't yeah. lit already, right? It's kind of, that's what happened, right? We get, we get in with another log and then that one lights it. And soon, soon, next thing you know, you walk into the Dallas office and you say the name Kelly Austin and everyone knows that name, right? Yeah. And, and uh, we've worked with a lot of them in there. So it's kind of that as soon as we jump that team, it's like, okay, we've, we've got some traction here. That's awesome. That's really interesting. So Hunter, is there kind of pivoting a little bit? Is there any misconceptions that you've kind of heard of often in regards to Salesforce and in regards to, you know, consulting? I think you mentioned one before kind of thinking you get paid to do nothing. Uh, is there any other misconceptions kind of that you've heard over the years? Yeah. What, what I hate hearing is when uh, I'll focus on the sales side of things, right? So it doesn't have to be Salesforce in terms of CRM, HubSpot, Zoho, whatever, insert CRM, CRM here. VP of sales or director of sales or CEO, if, if the company's small enough, they like to use this phrase of, you know, I'm going to get Salesforce and we're going to implement it and my sales team's going to use it. And if it's not in Salesforce, it never happened, right? That's kind of the key phrase they like to use. And it's kind of this like totalitarian, you know, I'm going to build this out and I'm going to make sure that they use it. And that mindset fails literally 10 out of 10 times. And the reason is because the majority of people that are making the, the decision make or making the decision to purchase the CRM are the executives, right? And that's because they want to see analytics, they want to see pipeline, and they want to know if their sales team is sitting there watching Game of Thrones or, you know, making calls and going and knocking on doors. Mm -hmm. So that's the main reasoning, right? But in order to get salespeople to actually use it, you've got to talk to them and make sure that it's going to help them sell Right. So that's where we see a major gap is that they feel like if they just rule with this iron fist of like everything has to be in there, that then it's just going to happen. But what in turn happens is that salespeople just get on at Friday at 3 p.m. and go in and fill in what they can remember so that they don't get yelled at on Monday. Right. Mm -hmm. The flip side of that is bringing the salespeople into the process and understanding how can I make your life easier? Right. What, what can we do? What can we automate? What can we remove steps from that is going to let you sell more, right? And then you've got to use the system to say, hey, John, hey, Samantha, you see, if you do all these things and you use the system, it leads to more sales, mm -hmm. right? And then, and that's what salespeople want, right? Salespeople care about one thing. What's my bank account? <laughs> like, yeah, that's right. it. <laughs> Don't make it more complicated than that. So if you build a system in the mind of, them actually wanting to use it because it's going to make them more money yeah. opposed to executives just need their metrics to judge them on it then then that's when we see success in adoption which is a problem in the crm industry is getting adoption getting people to actually use the system and why do you think that is that is because 
salespeople don't like being told what to do. <laughs> Honestly, right? Like they don't, they don't want to do anything. They don't want to spend any, and I'm a salesperson, right? So I can, <laughs> I can speak like <laughs> this, but they don't want to do anything that's not going to lead them to make more money. And it just takes more time and they feel like it's big brother, right? And they're like, why do I have to go enter all this? You know, it's a, it's a pain um, to do. It, it can be time consuming. So it's just, you, there, there's a lot of hurdles there yeah. that you're forcing on people who naturally operate in this like, you know, mode of having to be adaptive and you know they're 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 not sit behind a keyboard and type all day right they're let's go out to lunch and i'm going to convince you to buy my product so it's just the 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 type of personalities that you're working with on the sales side customer service is really easy right if you build customer service through salesforce and when someone creates a support ticket and needs help it gets created and then sent into salesforce so the support team has to go into salesforce to work it there's no adoption issue there, right? right? Like that's your only tool. But a salesperson theoretically could sell a million dollars worth of business without really touching the CRM, mm -hmm. you know, unless you have operational processes mm -hmm. um, uh, woven in. Yeah, interesting, interesting. So Hunter, if people want to learn more about Kelly Austin, kind of the services that, that you're able to offer in, in consulting, where would they go to get more information? Yeah, so our, our website, kellyaustin.com, Kelly is K-E-L-L-E-Y, lots of information on there. We talk to people all the time where it's not necessarily like, hey, we're ready to sign up for your services, but it may be, hey, we've had Salesforce for, for four years, things aren't really going well, can you look at things for an hour and tell us what you would recommend? And the answer is always absolutely, right? Or could be, hey, we have this other system. We're thinking about moving to Salesforce. We don't know if we're big enough. We don't know if it's actually going to solve our challenges. Can you talk to us? And people like to talk to us before they go talk to Salesforce <laughs> because that's kind of like walking in the lion's den, right? Like uh, it's kind of like doing your, your car <laughs> research before you go to the dealership, right? That you're going to choose. So we're kind of that, that third party that you can talk to. And, and yes, we have a dog in the fight because if you buy Salesforce, then you're going to use our services. Mm -hmm. But it we we are paid to be consultative right like that's what we do that's in our nature is to be consultative and we told we turned down millions and millions of dollars of work last year because we either weren't a good fit or it wasn't the right solution for the client because the worst thing we can do is take a bad project that isn't going to be successful because yeah. one tick mark on your reputation in this industry can hurt yeah. so we've got to protect that reputation so we work really hard on earning clients trust and sometimes that means we we're going to do business with them. And sometimes we are in that trust by saying, Hey, this probably just isn't the right fit for you. Yeah. It sounds like you really do, you know, you and Wayland have a great balance because it sounds like you really get the sales, you get the, the importance of interpersonal relationships and really that trust that, you know, somebody else is trusting you with their, with their, uh, with their sales force. Correct. Yeah. I, I might come at it from a sales perspective and be like, I want this deal. And Wayland will be like, that's great. But from a technical <laughs> perspective, it's impossible to deliver. So we're not going to sell it, right? Yeah. And I might not, I might not know that. Um, so it's the, there is that that balance there is critical. Yeah. Uh, it's check, checks and balances is an, and ensures that in the end, the the client's being told the the correct thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, Hunter, this has been great. So as we kind of wrap up our conversation, is there anything that you want to make sure our listeners know either about Salesforce, about consulting, about, you know, IT, anything like that, um, that you want to want to leave our listeners with? I think it's important. I always think it's important that small and medium sized business 
understand that there is not this like entry point for you to buy something like Salesforce, right? Where you have to hit certain amount of employees or certain revenue numbers or anything like that. Waylon and I obviously started our business with us too, with on the Salesforce platform. We have done consulting for companies, 10 employees and less, plenty and plenty of them, right? There's different levels of Salesforce. There's also this ability to scale either up as you grow, but you can also take Salesforce and scale it down from a simplicity standpoint, right? So I always say Salesforce is scalable. That can mean up and that can also mean down. Hmm. But the earlier you get something in place like Salesforce, the less pain you're going to have when you are ready to hit that, that scale and start using more and more of the system, right? It's, it's easier to grow, much easier to grow into it than to migrate later. Mm. So I always encourage people, and in, in if you can't afford implementation with a firm, there are tons of independent contractors out there that are previous consultants that can help you get it set up and are much cheaper, right? If you just need the basics, go find them on upwork.com or various other places, but don't wait to get a CR, a good solid CRM in place for your business, no matter the size. Like the, the time is now, it'll help go later, help you grow later. And I actually just mentioned this earlier this week when I was talking to someone else. If you can't afford like $75 a user a month for your salesperson to use Salesforce, then you probably can't afford that salesperson, right? You, you probably weren't at the point yet where you should be hiring salespeople if you can't afford $75 a user a month for them to be able to, to do their job and yeah. use, a, use a platform like Salesforce. So that, that's kind of my, my parting thought I, like to, I always like to um, share. Yeah, no, I think that's a really interesting insight too. Um, and, you know, I, I think you obviously have the experience to talk to that, um, you know, when helping companies, you know, with their with their system, with all of that. I think it's been a great conversation, Hunter. I really appreciate you taking the time to be on Business Ninjas today. Thanks, Kelsey. I appreciate it. Hey, are you a business ninja? Want to be interviewed like this? Give us a shout. Go to www.writeforme.io. W-R-I-T-E-F-O-R-M-E dot I-O and schedule a time to meet with us and we'll make it happen. Keep slaying it, y'all.